Good evening everyone, you're listening to Skip Intro, this is Ayman Rashad and in the studio with me right now is Ian McNally and um, today we're going to talk about this movie that came out 25 years and one day ago (laughs) (laughs) and that is called Interview with the Vampire. You're a vampire who never knew what life was until it ran out in a red gush over your lips. Stand this any longer. You made us what we are, didn't you? Monster. Unhappy family. He turned to weep. End her suffering and yours. For do not doubt, you are a killer. I want some more. So, this movie stars Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, and a very young Kirsten Dunst, and also Antonio Banderas. And when it came out, um, apparently it got um, uh, mixed responses in, uh, in terms of uh, critically, because uh, I was only four years old back then, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> so, um, well, wh- having been there at the time, yeah. I, mean, it, I think it was kind of a phenomenon because the Anne Rice books were the twilight of their day. But for grown-ups, I guess, um, and, and the the books are like a, a series of books, right? Oh, they're not they're not a series; they're a chronicle. A they're chronicle, the okay. chronicles. And <laughs> um, the other ones haven't been quite so well adapted as uh, Interview with a Vampire. I think what was it? The last, The Queen of the Damned was the one that kind of put a nail in the coffin of that because it was bloody awful. Apparently, it didn't really adapt the book very well, and, and the the author sort of like disowned that movie. Yeah, but she has a history of doing that. When Tom Cruise was first cast as Lestat, uh, apparently she wanted Julian Sands, who if you've ever seen him, is a kind of a very creepy blonde actor who turns up in... He Ever so often he'll turn up in something like good and then he'll turn up a lot of B-movies over the years. Mm-hmm. And she originally said that Tom Cruise was no more my vampire Lestat than Edward G. Robinson is Rhett Butler before seeing a frame of footage. Because at that point... Tom Cruise was like the most, he was mostly an all-American boy. He was like a few good men, the firm, Top Gun. Like, mm-hmm. he hadn't played anyone really that dark apart from The Color of Money. So this is like Heath Ledger taking on the role of the Joker. Everyone was like, this guy's from rom-com. Like, kind he, of, yeah. yeah. And it really did show, I mean, it showed his range around it. It's also the same with Brad Pitt. Like, Brad Pitt was just a, a pretty boy at the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, this is Kirsten Dunst's ninth movie, I think it was. So like, she Really? Had bits and, yeah, she did. Oh. Child actors are... Slave actors. <laughs> oh my! Because she was very young at that time. Like, I she looks like ten or twelve. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Antonio Banderas himself had been like, I think, was invading America. You know, his like he'd done quite a few Spanish movies, but I don't think he'd really broken out. He did uh, Desperado, the Almarachi mm-hmm. movie, a couple of years later, which was just like blew him out of the water, famous wise and fame wise. But yeah, it's just a, it is a an interesting take. I mean, it's a few years after Bram Stoker's Dracula, the Coppola version, which was. Over the top to the level of insanity, <laughs> if you remember that movie. I know a lot of people have cheesy love for it now. Um, and it is basically the book, but it also has Keanu Reeves as Jonathan Harker. Going, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Dude, there's a vampire. But it did. It, it, it brought the vampire to the US. You know, it gave it a bit more of that the history of the US and the new world. And that's what Brad Pitt's uh, character represents to Tom Cruise's character, to Lestat. It's like that idea of the new country, it's the new blood and mm-hmm. trying to stave off the ennui that comes with living forever. Yeah. And the things that happen, the the, the, the whole 
character of Kirsten Dunst's character who they turn when she's a child and the rage she puts across when she finds out she's never going to get any older. Yeah, she becomes a very ruthless hunter, isn't she? Yeah. Very bloodthirsty and... Uh, uh, I'm not going to spoil the movie in case you haven't watched it 25 years later, but she does do some things to her fathers in, in a way that, that really shows like her, her ruthless streak. Yeah, I mean, because she basically, she's a grown woman in, in the body suck of a child. Mm-hmm. And she, yeah, she ta- she goes to town on some people, but her, let me say, also not to spoil a 25-year-old movie, her <laughs> exit from the film is mm-hmm. also quite stunning to watch. Yes. I mean, they really... You felt that ter- that terror and that horror, you know. And what well, what I like about them, because um, uh, the movie uh, it's not just your your any old uh, vampire movie. Mm. Um, I think it speaks a lot about how much power corrupts when you have this power of, of immortality and um, um, this sort of like f- fear that people have against you. It can corrupt you. and um, But it comes at a cost where you have to do things that you don't necessarily um, want to do and you have to make these moral decisions whether you want to uh, kill or another human or whether you just want to survive uh, on rats. And, yeah. uh, and um, I, I guess the whole journey is about them sort of, or even uh, Brad Pitt's character finding his role or meaning as a vampire without mm. necessarily being a bloodthirsty murderer. Because while he also has the the sickness of having to have dealt with everything he's dealt with in his own life after death, he's also two chickens who just walk out in the sun. Yeah. And I think that's a, a big part of it. It just turns out that when you're given all of eternity, it's just you have more time to become a jerk, <laughs> apparently becoming a vampire. I, I, there's all, we do have to talk a little bit without spoiling the end of it. I mean, the whole thing is framed as an interview with the vampire. Christian yeah, Slater Christian is there Slater, interviewing yeah. him. And the ending is incredibly goofy. <laughs> you know, uh, Christian, Christian Slater doesn't want to... Uh, Christian Slater's like, well, can you turn me and make me your, your pet? And yeah. Brad Pitt's like... Are you an idiot? You, you, you learn nothing. You learn nothing from the whole conversation. <laughs> Being a vampire sucks. We watched the whole movie about yeah. this. You learn nothing. <laughs> and then there's a gotcha ending in the back of the car and the music plays. They drive over the bridge in San Francisco, I think it was. Uh, New Orleans? New Orleans, yeah. yeah. And it's just, it's a weird ending. But I think it did quite well. I think it did reasonably well. It wasn't a huge commercial success, but it was. it did do very well at the time, I think. Uh, I guess, because as you said earlier, it came out like a couple of years after Bram Stoker's uh, Dracula, which mm. is directed by uh, Coppola. So I'm guessing at that time people compared it to that movie. Uh, what what was the sort of like... Um, a little bit, but the reception thing... Reception for it. The thing is, is that the... We'll get to this a little bit in the second half, but the, the vampire mythos is endlessly remixable. Yes. And there is like those... That Bram Stoker... The Bram Stoker starts with like Carpathians and crazy armor and all this kind of like the blood stuff. You know what I mean? It's very much the old country's vampires. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is also after you've already had from the 80s, you've had The Lost Boys. You've had Near Dark. You've had revisionist vampire movies already. So I think audiences are, you know, open to the fact that vampires can change all the time. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, it's vampires. What's the take this time? You know, every time you watch a vampire movie, it's like, are they doing the sunlight thing? Is garlic a thing? Are crosses a thing? You know, they figure it out each way along the way. And sometimes it's just like, you know, I, can't, I actually can't remember off the top of my head. But there is one where someone sprays holy water and like, it doesn't work. What are you doing? Yeah. You just made me wet. You've ruined my jacket. <laughs> and uh, in this movie, this uh, the vampires in the interview uh, interview with the vampire, they are not affected by crucifixes mm. or even uh, light, for example. But uh, coffin is 
one of the things that that is uh, real about vampires. So, so there is the different sort of like rules at play here in this movie. Um, I'm just wondering, is this because Brad Pitt in this movie he is someone who very much doesn't want to be the conventional vampire. He is someone who uh, does initially didn't want to uh, murder people for mm. the sake of his own, his own survival. Is this the first time that audiences saw that kind of vampire in, in cinemas? No, I don't think so. But it again comes into, like I mentioned, the Lost Boys and stuff like that. There is sometimes a chance to turn someone back. You know, sometimes they have a 24-hour rule or whatever like that. And it mm-hmm. is a big question about the vampirism things. Like, yes, is the price the fact that you have to kill others to survive? Or is the price that you, do you actually lose your soul? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like in something like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, once you're a vampire, you have no soul and you are... Uh, the definition of the soul is kind of in such a way that's like you're like furniture. I mean, mm-hmm. especially for someone who's the, who's the vampire slayer, it makes her job a lot easier. But there is that idea that once you be turned, you lose something inherently human and you're no better than a, a beast in the field, as they might say. But that's always a thing that you have to figure out in these movies. Is like, can someone be uh, turned? Because usually there's a point of view character who gets drawn into this world. In this case, it's uh, Brad Pitt's Louis as well, where, you know, when they go to Paris and there's like Antonio Banderas' vampires, they have their own set of rules and mores and like, you Mm -hmm. know, society that they work within and they do not like Kristen Dunst at all. And it's like, that's that's an unholy thing to them. And that's, these are these rules that you have to find out as you go along. And it all works together with what the filmmaker or the author in Anne Rice's case is trying to say. And there you have it. That was our take on Interview with the Vampire, which actually came out on 11th of November 1994. That is 25 years ago. So what are your memories from watching that movie? Did you watch it in the theatres? Did you watch it much later on DVD? Uh, Let us know uh, what 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 are your thoughts on that movie. You can WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899. Tweet us at SkipIntroMY or write us at movies at bfm.my. And coming up, we're going to continue talking about vampires and going to take a look at some of our favourite or perhaps least favourite vampire movies. So... Uh, stay with us on Skip Intro. This is BFM 89.9. Be free-minded. BFM 89.9. Hello, everyone. This is Skip Intro, and you are with Ayman and Ian. So earlier, we were talking about Interview with a Vampire, which has actually turned 25 years old yesterday. So we, you've heard some of our thoughts about it, and we'd like to hear your thoughts. But in the meantime, we're going to talk about some other vampire movies that have come up. Because vampires are very much a... I guess it's a mythical creature that is always open to interpretations. You can take it in so many directions, and we've seen that um, being taken in like all kinds of ways in, in different movies. And... Um, so let, let's start with you, Ian. What movie do you think has made vampires interesting? Well, the one that kind of made it, you know, I watch a lot of movies. The one mm-hmm. that made it interesting for me, again, was the Swedish movie Let the Right One In, which was oh, remade yes. into Let Me In by Let me- uh, Matt Reeves, who'll be doing the Batman later this year, which, you know, mm-hmm. looks like a, a bat which is involved in vampires. So mm-hmm. it all comes circular around again. I remember watching this film and just being stunned by it because it ignores so much of the mythos. You know, you don't, see too much of there's not garlic there's not all that kind of stuff but it does actually answer the question in one of those terrifying moments in the film what happens to a vampire when they walk into a house they haven't been invited to do you have do you have you do you remember that scene 
Uh, I, because I, I watched this movie a long time ago. Can you refresh my memory? Yeah, there's basically Ellie is a twelve year old girl. She lives. She looks sorry like a twelve year old girl. She has this older companion, and the next door neighbor kid is kind of like becoming friends with her, but mm-hmm. she's not a twelve year old girl. <laughs> and there's a scene where she just she she's he's she says you have to invite me in. He's like, what happens if I don't? And she wa- she walks in, and this horrifying thing starts happening to her body until he basically says, I, I, I invite you, I invite you in. It's like she starts like decaying in front of his yeah, face. Yeah, so this is one where the, where the blood starts to ooze yeah. out of it. Yeah, yeah. And it just has this like everything. We probably could have talked about this movie yesterday when we were talking about cold weather movies because it mm-hmm. is. I think shot, it's in Sweden, so. It's freezing all the time. She's never bothered by the cold. Yes. Which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And there is this creepiness going on of like, she has this older protector um, because she is like Kirsten Dunst, this young looking vampire. She's not going to age anymore. She can't get an ID and get a driving license and get herself around during the daytime. And this old guy who protects her and you realize over the course of the whole movie that she is just basically grooming this kid to be her new protector mm-hmm. and it all culminates in this absolutely I'm not sure if you remember there's an absolute there's a scene parallel to the story he's been the Oscar the main character has been kind of bullied by these boys yes and which culminates in that scene in the swimming pool in the swimming pool yeah. which is just you don't expect you know a bloodbath in the middle of this kind of vampire art movie because throughout the movie I remember it being Maybe I, uh, I interpreted it differently, but I remember it being quite a very sweet movie about friendship and like, uh, like childhood It, it rides friends. that line. Yeah. It really does. And it, that just makes it endlessly interesting because it, it comes back to something we said in the, the first part of the show about what are the rules and you're finding mm. them out as they go along. And there's mm. also the, the idea that like, is she just going to eat him? Mm. You're wondering, like, it's sweet, but it's also like, is it sweet because she wants to get him aside somewhere and then just chew down on his face? Yeah. You're, no, you're, you're never entirely sure. And it's like, at the ending is like, it's the cyclical na- nature of the protectors of her. And you just, it's kind of, it's bittersweet as well. It's like tr- young love, but also doomed romance. <laughs> and um, speaking of the different ways that uh, the people have taken vampire movies, I'm thinking of... Um, what we do in the shadows, which yes. is a hilarious movie, is is basically a mockumentary about the daily life of uh, vampires living in uh, America, if, if New I'm not. Zealand, uh, New Zealand. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes, of course, New Wellington, Zealand, isn't it? Uh, yes, I think so because it, it does have New Zealand actors in it. Um, Taika Waititi, uh, the guy from Flight of the Concords, which is Jermaine Clement. Yeah. So when you think of like the daily life of a vampire, right, you think about like they sleep in a coffin during the day and then they wake up at night and go hunting or whatever. But this one really portrays them as like... Who does the dishes? Who does the dishes? <laughs> uh, you've got a very annoying roommate <laughs> you, have to, you have to deal with. Yeah, you have to like find ways of paying rent. And What's really genius about that is it takes all those different uh, interpretations of vampires and puts them in one apartment. Like there is like the nine hundred year old vampire who lives in the basement who looks like Which Nosferatu. Looks, Nosferatu, yeah. But like he doesn't come out. Is he not coming to the meeting? He's nine hundred. He's nine hundred <laughs> years old. Let him sleep. <laughs> and they do literally argue about who the dishes. And I think it's a genius thing because it's Taika Waititi and uh, is it Jermaine arguing? And when they argue, they go into the like stereotypical vampire. <laughs> it's just, it's so goofy. The point is, Deacon, that you have not done the dishes for five years. Vladislav is right. It's unacceptable to have so many bloody dishes all over this bench like this. I'm so embarrassed when people come over here. Well, what does it matter? You bring them over, you kill them. Vampires don't do dishes. Deacon. I will do my dishes. Good to do that. They're just awful lads. You know what I mean? They're like bad groups of grown-up men. 
You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like you have your like it's like basically like soccer hooligans, but really, really awful soccer hooligans against fans of another sport or football yeah. team. You know what I mean? But but at the same time, it's it's a very cute treatment of 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 vampires, right? They're just these very like they're basically humans, but they just happen to be vampires. So they share the same kind of struggles as like um, I guess millennials or like normal <laughs> regular people in in, in in real life. It's just really funny. Yeah, I haven't seen the TV show yet, which came out on Fox in the US. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the TV show because I, I've I've heard they made a TV show, but I, I haven't seen it as well. And I'm guessing if it's anywhere near the level of quality as a movie, I'm going to watch it. I've heard it's pretty good. I think I've, one thing the one thing I've heard about it is there's a character in it. In the movie, there's a character who's like recently turned to a vampire, but in this, there's another vampire who doesn't suck blood. He's just an energy vampire. He just like takes energy away from you. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if the, he actually is a vampire or not, but just dealing with him is exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> Keeping it on that kind of fun, weird level, I always have a soft spot for the Lost Boys. I mean, it's, you know, it unites the two Corys who were like the heartthrobs at the time, Corey Haim and Corey Feldman, has Kiefer Sutherland as the leader of the vampires, uh, Alex Winter, who was Bill from mm-hmm. Bill and Ted. The one it? who isn't Keanu Reeves. The one who isn't Keanu Reeves. <laughs> and it's just, you know, the tagline for this movie is sleep all day, party all night, never grow old, never die. And oh, that's, that's kind of the vibe they have going through it. And Jason Patrick is um, Corey Haim's older brother who's starting to get turned after being tricked into drinking vampires' blood. Mm-hmm. And it just has... Uh, Corey Feldman is part of the Frog Brothers who are local teenagers who basically... Oh, yeah, we know about the vampires. And, like, they're trying to protect the house and there's like the, they're not sure who the coven leader is. It's like, they're like witches with a coven. that If you kill the main vampire, I think most of the people will turn or some, you can turn someone back. Okay, all right. But it all culminates in just a big, like... It's like a Goonies movie with vampires. They have a huge battle at the end, which results in one of the greatest lines in cinema, which is death by stereo. <laughs> as a vampire is impaled by an arrow into the stereo system. <laughs> they also have like, you know, all the things you would think of doing if you were attacked by vampires. Like, of course, you'd fill the bathtub with holy water and then refill it with squirt guns. This sounds like a, a, a college movie, but with vampires in it. It's like... It's more teen than college, Uh I Uh think. But like, you know, it has like, it's it's, it's a four quadrant demographic movie. You know, there's a grandpa in there as well who also has a fantastic line where you think he's oblivious the whole time Mm because the family have moved to this town, Santa Carla. And he just turns up at one night saving, point saving the day and say, you know, the one thing about Santa Carla, I could never stomach because all the damn vampires. <laughs> like, he's known this whole time and didn't want to tell anybody. <laughs> Another one that is quite, it's taking taking revisionism, but also changing it, getting rid of an awful lot of the things and losing the humor as well, is Catherine Bigelow's Near Dark, which I haven't seen stars the dearly departed uh, Bill Paxton as like one of the psychopathic vampires. Mm-hmm. But in that, there's none of the trappings of grandeur like that. They literally drive around in an RV going from place to place, feasting and just like, it also has in common with the interview of vampire. There is a child vampire who mm-hmm. wants the main character, who's Adrian Pazdar, who but you forget that they were teenagers once or young people once when you see this actor. And, you know, he's recently turned. But in that one, there is a way back. But these guys are like, it's literally like a roaming gang mm-hmm. that comes and tries to eat you. And they don't, you know, there's none of the, they don't worry at all about their souls. What what was what's the, that movie's treatment of child vampires? I'm interested to know. Like, how is it different than Kristen Dunn's? Uh, it's it's younger, I think, as well. But it's also just it's again super creepy, and a lot of the plot revol- revolves around that child vampire wanting a companion his own age to play with, and mm-hmm. that that sets a lot of things in motion. But it's just Bill Paxton is great in that movie, and there's an awful lot of just 
you know, it's it's done on a budget, but it's Catherine Bigelow, so it looks great. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely one you should check out if you haven't seen it. Uh, yeah, so there's also other movies, uh, vampire movies that come up, but um, I just want to have a special mention for The Twilight Saga, since we have to mention it. <laughs> yeah, I should say, uh, do check out Shadow of a Vampire, which is like the behind the scenes of Nosferatu, if the actual guy was Nosferatu. Uh-huh. Oh, cool, cool. 30 Days of Night is always fun, because that's like a town full of vampires when the sun goes down for 30 days. And... I also think you should check out, if you haven't, uh, Neil Jordan's Byzantium. So Neil Jordan, who directed Interview with a Vampire, returned to the vampire genre and did one that also has, like, Saoirse Ronan as a young vampire and her mother. And again, it plays into that thing of class where the brethren who are the main vampires are all men of the aristocracy. Mm -hmm. So uh, Gemma Atherton's character is like a prostitute who turns... And it revolves around that kind of interaction and always being on the run and turning the turning the society on its head, essentially. So there's a, there's a lot of good takes out there. And on that note, we've got quite a list of vampire movies to watch. And um, let us know what are your suggestions of your favorite vampire movies uh, that you like to suggest for us. You can WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899, tweet us at SkipIntroMY, or you can write us at movies at bfm.my. This has been Skip Intro on BFM 89.9.